Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brendan McCullough. And it's a special episode. We have uh, guest Alan Covert uh, from the Happy Madison Productions. You might know him from uh, the titular Grandma's Boy. Um, but here we go. He's, we're going to talk to him right now. Hello. Hey, who's this? Brendan? Uh, this is Doug. Hey, Doug. It's Alan Covert. How are you, man? I'm good. Is this, is this audio only, or do you need me to... Click the camera. Oh, uh, no, we're totally good. Uh, we're only in audio format. And Brendan is with me. Say hi, Bren. Hello. Hey, man. How are you? Good. You? I'm doing well. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for uh, joining us on our program. We can't thank you enough. But uh, I guess let's get started. Um, sure. So for our listener who may not be familiar with your works, could you give us a little background on who you are and what you do? <laughs> I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my name is Alan Covert. Um I am Adam Sandler's partner at Happy Madison Productions. Uh, Over the last, however, God many years, I've done, you know, writing, acting, producing, uh, whatever needs to get done. Um, I started as an actor. You may have seen me in, I was the homeless caddy in Happy Gilmore. (laughs) I was the uh, sleazy limo driver and the wedding singer. I also recall seeing you in uh, Freaks and Geeks in an episode. I I was the man in Freaks and Geeks who sold a keg to the youngsters. Yep. <laughs> I love that show. Um, I wanted to ask, I saw you did an AMA on Reddit like two years ago. Yeah. And you said on In Happy Gilmore, that beard of yours was real and you grew it in like three months. Was that something right? Something like that. Something crazy. Mike. God, I couldn't get anywhere near that if I took three years. Oh, yeah, no, that beard was hefty, man. Damn. And it was so funny because, you know, like if I had that beard now, no one would think about it. They'd be like, oh, it's a guy with a beard. But literally back then when we shot Happy Gilmore, wasn't a lot of bearded people in L.A. And and I remember uh, I was growing it and I ran into someone at the improv and they were like, are you okay? (laughs) They actually thought you were homeless. Yeah, why? And they were like. Oh, it's just like your appearance has changed. And I was like, I'm getting ready to do a movie. <laughs> and they went, oh, oh okay. Because I literally looked like a guy who was getting ready to like leave my apartment and live in a dumpster. So it worked. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, yeah, I got to tell you, I hate having stuff glued to my face. Oh, I can imagine. Because when we did Jack and Jill, where I played the same character, I guess I can say that, even though it was a different studio. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I'm pretty sure we cleared it with them legally because I do play the, I played the same character. Oh, um, wow. wow. And I did a wig and a fake beard and I hated it so much. So then in pixels, I did a thing where I had to have a beard and I just, I grew it and it, and it was, it was gray. It was very sad. <laughs> oh, it happens to us all. Well, here's a question for you. Uh, well, the movie that you're most, I think, known for would be Grandma's Boy because you played yes. the main role. Um, yes. And it just has gr- grown such a cult following, especially amongst our commu- uh, like yes. listeners and stuff. Like uh, the video game community, we we just like idolize that film. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say, do you happen to play many video games personally, like in your free time? Just curious. Uh-huh. I got to tell you, I, you know, I have all the consoles. I, I'm not a first-person shooter guy. I can so, relate with that, so that's fair enough. Yeah, so there's a huge chunk of the games that are produced that I just don't even bother to look at. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I play a lot of mind-numbing games. 
You know, I love the, I love that Nintendo had a, a, you know, they came out a few years ago with a new side-scrolling old-school Mario that I loved. You know what I really love? I love all the dumb, I, I shouldn't say dumb because I love them, but I love all the Lego games. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Those are Lego really Batman, fun. Lego Star Wars, Lego every, Lego Lord of the Rings, Lego Marvel. I literally, I love stuff like that. And, uh, and, and on a, you know, I always have a dumb game on my iPad for when I get bored in a meeting or something. They look over and I'm playing Boom Beach or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I, you know, we make Grandma's Boy because um, I love video games. I mean, I grew up. I had a pong when I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 now. So, I mean, I was lucky enough to like, I remember pong and being just amazed by these, you know, these two white paddles with a dumb pixel bouncing back and forth between them. Yeah, and, uh, you've seen the whole evolution. Yeah. Just every step of the way we were just talking the other day, uh, Lochran, Jonathan Lochran, who's the cross-eyed guy from the water boy. And he plays my roommate in the beginning of grandma's boy. Him and I were roommates for a long time. And we were talking about the fact that we used to love the uh, the old uh, PGA Tour Golf 2 on Sega Genesis. Oh, nice. And like him and I would literally sit there. We had no jobs. And we lived in this dirty apartment over in Hollywood near the Guitar Center. And we would uh, about a block from where Hugh Grant got busted uh, when he had his travails with the prostitute. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that was the type of neighborhood we were living in back then. But we would <laughs> sit there and play the skins uh, game on PGA Tour Golf 2 on the Sega for like days at a time. Nice. No, that's awesome. Uh, well, here's a question I'm like dying to ask you, though. Uh, yeah. uh, so did you ever get the opportunity to, uh, well, I, I guess you did to even film the movie Grandma's Boy. I know that the demonic game was actually canceled. Did you get yeah. to play that game? No, I mean, you know what happened was, because it was a low budget like indie independent movie um i knew that you know cuz i had made other movies i, I you know it, it was the culmination of uh, having learned a lot on big budget movies i knew that we would never be able to create fake video game footage that would look decent because i know how much that costs so we literally found a company that was, you know, kind of beta testing a game and, and, and it was demonic and it just never went forward. So I, they gave me, you know, we asked for some very carefully described, they actually made some game footage for us. Yeah. You know, but so we said like in this scene, we're talking about this. And so they had someone play the beta and do what we were talking about. I see. Okay. And interesting. It. Um, and so we only needed certain chunks of it in the hopes that it would come out, but then it never did. Yeah, and that's totally unfortunate because as I watched that game, it seems like for the time it would have been a really, like, I think it would have been a winner, honestly. Yeah, no, it looked like a really good game. I was really excited. Um, what was the other game they had done? Oh, that company. It was a company out of Texas. Oh, it was so long ago now. If I had to, if I had done my research for this interview. <laughs> no problem. Well, honestly, Grandma's Boy is going on 10 years now. That's, that's yeah. quite impressive. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. You know, what's funny is the director, Nick Goosen, is literally two offices away from me right now. He's, uh, him and Swartzen are working on a TV show for Comedy Central. And so they're writing in an office in the bu- in our building here. That just blows my mind. Those are two, like, great names to just be, like, yeah. you're surrounded by, like, uh, legends. <laughs> you yourself well, are a legend. You know what's funny? It's, and poor Doris just passed away. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, I did see that recently. And that's, that's it's terrible. Un- unfortunate. Yeah, she was the best. And it was so funny because, you know, 
when we did that movie, um, the casting director said to me, oh, I'm going to send the script to Doris Roberts. And I laughed because <laughs> she had just won like her third Emmy yeah. you know, on Everybody Loves Raymond making who knows how much money a week, probably <laughs> as much as our entire budget. <laughs> and I literally was like, why would you waste Doris Roberts's time? She seems like such a nice lady. Don't bother her. And she was like, well, I'm going to send it anyway. You never know. And I went, all right, send her the script. And then like two weeks later, she called and was like, and, and she said, oh, Doris, um, Doris liked the script. She'd like to talk to you. Holy and in my God. head, I'm thinking, oh, she's going to come in and say, if you get rid of the nudity and if you get rid of the weed and this and that, then maybe we can talk. And she just came in and wanted to talk about the relationship between the grandmother and the grandson and what was it that, you know, that about it that made it so strong. And like literally was like fine with everything. That's so. I was just shocked. And she was just like, no, it seems fun. I want to do this. And I don't even know what voice I'm doing. Cause that's <laughs> but no, I, I'm I so grateful. I generic grandma voice. <laughs> it's, uh, seeing her say the line, I can hear my hair growing is like the most priceless thing of all of film history. So like, as it's a shame that she's gone, but she's left such a legacy. Oh, behind. I know. And she, let me tell you something. She loved it. I used to see her, you know, we would talk every once in a while. I would see her. We have a big holiday party every year. And every year she would show up. She would be there. She'd hang out and hear the band play. She was always having a great time, always working. But she would always tell me, she would be like, I went to do this thing at some college. And she goes, and they were just yelling, Grandma! Yeah. <laughs> that's she so said, cool. oh, they, she goes, I have a whole new bunch of people that like me now. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it really did become a cult classic. We're really proud of that one. Um, I mean, you know, we really, I still, I still talk to almost everybody. Um, that's great. Even um, JP, I, I, I'm afraid I don't know his real name. Joel David Moore. Yes, the yeah. guy who went on to. Yeah, uh, I talk to Joel every once in a while. You know, when he, you know, he works constantly. He's always writing and directing and yeah, getting ready to do the next Avatar movie. Wow. I saw Jonah just like two months ago. Um, I haven't seen Linda in a while, but she's doing great. I know people that talk to her. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's you know it's something that everyone remembers fondly, and 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 we're just all really happy we did it and. You know, thank God for cable and DVD. Oh, absolutely. It, it just it took the world by storm. I was going to say, is it a good feeling knowing like if a movie when one of your movies comes out and doesn't do, do too great uh, theatrically, it kills in DVD sales? Because at least according to IMDb, you make 50 million just on DVD sales. Like, well, Fox made that. Well, yes, uh, <laughs> that's unfortunate. No, I mean, look. I love the movie, you know, we wrote it and we, you know, produced it and, and it was just, like I said, it was just something that, you know, it was something I had wanted to do, which was star in my own movie. And, and we really thought this one nailed what we were trying to do. And, you know, it was funny. It's like, I had a couple calls after opening weekend, which didn't go well. And from some very cool people, um, who I respect, who I didn't even know and just kind of called me out of the blue and said, Hey, I saw your movie comedy people. And they were like, I saw your movie. You know what? 
I know it didn't do well, but you made a great movie. And five years from now, no one's going to remember what it did at the box office. This movie's going to live for a long time. And that actually came to pass. So I was lucky, you know, but it was one of those things where people, you know, I like the fact that people still discover it for themselves. You know, I've had people in the strangest places walk up to me and just be like, literally like in Africa. (laughs) Wow. A shooting blended and some guy walks up to me and is like, excuse me with this African accent. Are you Alan Colbert from Grandma's Boy? <laughs> That's so cool. And I just literally threw my arms in the air and went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But oh, yeah, nice. no, look, it's, it's, look, when you put a movie out in the theaters, you always, you know, if you take a hit, you take a hit sometimes, you know, and sometimes you have great box office results and sometimes you don't. But, you know, the good news is that, it's not the end of the world because it's just a movie. But yeah. the better news is that, you know, it can, it has a life out there that people can find it on their own and be like, you know, who knows what happened? Maybe, you know, they, they didn't want to go see a movie that weekend or there was a hurricane or maybe the advertising just didn't entice people enough. But, yeah, I mean, look, there's so many avenues now for people to see the movies later that, like I said, it's look, it's like office space, you know, office space. I didn't see until three years after it was made. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite movies. And I was literally like, how did I not see this? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. You know? And so, yeah, I mean, do you want it to be a huge hit out the gate? Of course. But the fact that like years later, people still like it and talk to you about it. Um, you know, like like that guy said to me, he goes, five years from now, no one's going to remember opening weekend. And they don't, except the, the only difference is with Grandma's Boy is it's kind of so big as a cult that, like, they do talk about it a lot. Like, this movie made this much at the box office. And I'm always like, you got to remind me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> you got to bring that one up. <laughs> but, but, no, but no, it's all part of the story. And, and like I said, people, you know, it, it, it's something I'm very proud of. And Nick and... Nick Swartzen and Nick Goosen and everyone involved in it is, is always very proud. And they always tell me like, Oh my God, all I hear whenever I go, like I saw Kevin Nealon the other day, a, a couple of days ago. And he was just like, everywhere I go, they yell Mr. Cheesel at me. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. Uh, it's like, it's, almost like impossible to make a sequel to that uh yeah. but uh, it's like i i would love to see well i mean the fact that you guys all work together as happy madison just yeah. uh shows that you guys all typically work together on films but i would love to see another kind of film with that kind of gamer mentality with all of you guys because i'm sure everyone would just eat that right up yeah 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 i mean it's you know it's fun look i and i got to do it last summer um that's right with pixels i mean i got to I met. I have a. I have a. I have a Pac-Man T-shirt that's autographed by the guy who made invented Pac-Man. That's fantastic. Jeez. You know. So to me, I'm just like, hey, I met Professor Iwatani, and he he was cool. That's so. super rad. Well, well, one thing I was curious about. You were talking about like the numbers and stuff for uh, when it comes to the box office and opening weekends and stuff. What's it like working with Netflix and this newer kind of platform? I got to tell you, it was very interesting. You know, uh, I, I'm getting ready. We have one coming out May 27th with uh, Sandler and David Spade. Oh, and, wow. Uh, Paula Patton, Catherine Hahn, Natasha Leggero, Sean Astin, Matt Walsh, so many people, Swartzen. Wow. Uh, what's this film called? It's called The Do-Over, and it's crazy. It's, it's, uh, 
Sandler and Spade run into each other at their high school reunion. And Spade complaining about how terrible his life is. And and, and Sandler keeps going, come on, hang out with me. Let's get back together and hang out. And they go out fishing one weekend. And Sandler drugs Spade, blows up the boat, and fakes their deaths. (laughs) And so Spade wakes up and he's like, what's going on? And Sandler's like, I faked our deaths. I gave you your wish. You said you wanted to start over from scratch. Well, now we can. You're dead. Holy shit. And then that just turns into this just insane movie where the identities, people are trying to kill the people that they, identities they stole. Ooh, that sounds extremely interesting. No, it's fun. And that's May 27th on Netflix. So I'll definitely keeping an eye out for that. Red Band trailer is out now. If you, you should watch it after. All right. Fantastic. Yeah, I watched yeah, it. It's different. You know, look, at the end of the day, there's not one part of the movie making process that's any different, whether it's for Netflix or for theaters, except that on Netflix, you know, we might do things, you know, there's stuff we might try a little differently, maybe, but, you know, normally when we're, you know, it it all depends on the movie, like the ridiculous six, we would have made that movie the same for theaters as we did for Netflix. And the same as this one, this one's just kind of an R rated movie. You know, but it's, you know, the same rules apply uh, as far as storytelling and movie making. And, you know, Netflix said, we want movies. We want real movies uh, when we first started working for them. Because that's, you know, they already do TV. And so they wanted, you know, they wanted us to do what we do. And uh, and, and it's an interesting thing to be in the middle of, um, to just see kind of people's viewing habits and the way things are able to be seen to watch it change is fun. And to me, it just opens up more places for people to be able to do things, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's just, instead of going, Oh, you have to go to these five studios or you have to go to these people to try to raise money you know, all of a sudden there's Amazon, there's Hulu, there's Netflix, there's Crackle, there's, you know, there's all these interesting places that are opening up avenues for people to go and just, you know, make more movies, which to me is never a bad thing. Definitely. Um, you know, look, I go to the theaters. I have four kids. I take them constantly to the movies and my wife and I go and see stuff. Um, but other people like to stay home and watch. And now they can watch brand new movies at their house um, instead of having to go somewhere else. And it's, to me, it's just another thing. And it's like, I always say, it's like, I go to see a movie at the theaters. Like, you know what? I can't, uh, I took the kids to see jungle book two weeks ago. Okay. But, But then that night, my wife and I watched a movie on Netflix. So it's not like it's eliminating people from going to the theaters or it's, you know, or going. It doesn't mean like if you go to the theaters, you can't watch these. To me, it's just, oh, there's more. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, and, but it's interesting to me because I can't watch a movie on my phone. Oh, yeah. I, I, I personally can't. Some things. But I see people who literally have their headsets on and they'll watch a whole movie on their phone. That's a little too small for me. Yeah, I I'd prefer a tablet or if it's like a plane yeah, plane ride. I'll watch movies on my iPad. Yeah, tablet, you know, and I can do that. The phone I can't do, but I know like kids who that's where they see everything. 
yeah, that's a little too small for me. But um, here's a question. I guess we're kind of going to wrap things up in a little bit here. But uh, what... I have time, by the way. Oh, that's really? What we said today, if you want to keep going, we can go. Oh, fantastic. Well, then how... let's have Brent ask some questions. I feel like I've been taking over. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would agree with you with the movies because I know um, a movie I particularly enjoy is Cloverfield. And yeah. I have trouble explaining to people why it's good because I saw it in theaters, but everyone I know has seen it on Netflix or on DVD or something. Yeah. And I'm just like, it, it really needs to be in theaters. That's an in-theater yeah. movie yeah. where you need the surround sound in, in a crowded area with a bunch of other people. Right. So I completely agree with you on that. Um, but you said you have four kids. Yes. I'm, my math is right. Do you have like four kids all under the age of five? or? No, no, no. no. They're uh, nine, seven, five, and two. Oh, wow. oh okay. All right, then I guess some of the dates were mixed up because I was thinking like four under the age of five, like that's oh, gotta no, be. That would, a, that would, a mess. There would be a set of twins in there somewhere. That <laughs> yeah, would, that's gotta be a mess. <laughs> oh, trust me, four separate ages is even too much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with your kids, are you worried about any of them seeing your movies? Like maybe if one's <laughs> on TV, like the one that sticks out in my mind is Mr. Deeds. If it's being played on, you know, FX or something, and. And uh, they see my kidding? butt, my yeah, yeah. The good five minutes of you soaping your ass. <laughs> Look, uh, you know it's funny. It's it's um, my wife's actually a much stricter gatekeeper on stuff than me. But you know, at the end of the day, they are kids. Mm-hmm. So there's stuff that I'm just like, no, you can't watch that. Well, yeah, like Grandma's boy smoking pot and jerking off. And- oh yeah. <laughs> No, trust me, there's movies that I'm in fear of them watching. Yeah. I'm like, oh, God, they're going to one day see Grandma's Boy, Strange Wilderness, Bucky oh, Larson. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> but, you know, they know that there's – but it's very funny because they're like – they know there's movies of mine that their friends watch, like Mr. Deeds. And like my kid – my wife doesn't let them watch PG-13, I, except certain ones. Mm-hmm. Like Harry Potter. My, my oldest daughter – they've all seen the Harry Potter movies. Right. That's reasonable. Yeah, the books and everything are great. Yeah, because my daughter read the books, my oldest daughter, and I was like, well, if you read the books, I'll let you watch the movies. Just yeah. like Game of Thrones. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny because when we were doing Pixels, we had Josh Gad and Peter Dinklage. Mm-hmm. And, oh, wow. you know, Josh Gad is Olaf from right. Frozen. And all the kids, all of our kids, Sandler's kids knew it. We all, they all knew Josh Gad was Olaf. And uh, Dinklage is about the funniest guy in the world. And him and Gad together literally were a comedy team. (laughs) And so one day some kids were on the set and they're just literally mobbing Josh Gad about, Olaf, can you say next summer or this summer? And then they're all just mobbing Josh. And literally Dinklage leans forwards and goes, he just leans forward and goes, any of you kids fans of Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> and we, I laughed so hard, and they all just looked at him and like, what's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'd be more concerned if one of them was. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, you know, there's stuff I'm afraid. There's stuff I know one day when they're teenagers I'm going to have to do some explaining. And <laughs> it's easy. It's like, it's a movie. They like, Growing up in my house, they know what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Sure. So they get and they see literally like, you know, my friends or, you know, it's like, oh, Sienna's dad is mall cop. Yeah. <laughs> I know, see. They kind of so they, you know, but it's not like, a, I don't know. They're very kind of nonchalant about it. 
because it's like what they know and they just know everyone, but they understand like that's movie. This is life. So, you know, I can easily get away with, no, 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 that was some crazy movie. I was just playing a part. Exactly. They have a strong disconnect. Which, trust me, is what I told my grandmother when she saw Grandma's Boy. <laughs> my grandmother loved Grandma's Boy. Oh, that's fantastic. She's like, you made a movie about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's always flattering. Yeah. Um. Well, here's a question. Uh, what's been your favorite role or movie that you've ever worked on, regardless of acting or writing on? I love That's My Boy. I really love That's My Boy. The funniest is the ones I love the most are the ones that didn't do as well, like Little Nicky. Oh, I uh, love that film. That's oh a my personal God, favorite that, of mine. Me too. I mean, Little up. Nicky to me is just so insane and fun. <laughs> and Popeye's chicken is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know, it doesn't <laughs> give a crap. It's just like this crazy movie with an amazing cast. Seriously, wow. I mean, Reese Witherspoon before Legally Blonde. I yeah. mean, it's like... We Harvey, the great Harvey Keitel, who we brought back for Ridiculous Six. Um, You know that's the good thing. We love bringing people back, but uh, I love that. I love that's my boy. Um, You know, then some of the ones I did, uh, you know, like like uh, like Grandma's Boy, of course, will always be my favorite, just because it literally was just such a labor of love. Of like, we love this script. Let's go get them, scrape the money together. I called in every favor. Like, you know, I had people giving me old sets from movies that got wrapped. It was like, it was truly like guerrilla filmmaking at some points where, you know. That's so so cool. It was a lot of, you know, we just had such a great time. Um, I love Strange Wilderness. Uh, We had a great time. Another one, me, Jonah. The great Steve Zahn, you know, Justin Long, Kevin Heffernan for Broken Lizard. I mean, you know, you know, I, I'm very lucky. I, I love what I do, and I get to work with all these great people. So I really, looking back, it's not like I can sit here and go, oh, God, I hated that one. Oh, sure. You know, it's literally a matter of which one did I love more. And they all have, like, certain things about them, you know. That we go, well, that was the first one we all got to do. And then, oh, this was one where we were fully in charge. And this was like, oh, we got to work with uh, Jack Nicholson. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and anchor management. You know, I got to go run lines with Al Pacino in a trailer one day. (laughs) Actually at his house. And I'm sitting there as we're getting ready for Jack and Jill. And I'm just sitting there going... This is crazy. That's Al Pacino. That's Michael <laughs> Corleone. It's the guy, you know, it's. Were you a little intimidated being at his house? 100% intimidated. <laughs> yeah. Like, when is he going to tell me to get the hell out of here? <laughs> you have great respect, but also great terror for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicholson was the same thing where every day I would sit there and go, it's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I'm doing a scene and Jack Nicholson's in the scene. That's crazy. Yeah, that's mind blowing. Um, well, here's I, I can't believe we didn't even ask this yet, but how did you even meet Adam Sandler? Oh, um, I met we were at NYU. Um, okay. all, uh, pretty much everyone, you know, me. Sandler, Tim Hurley, who writes 90% of our movies, with, and uh, Frank Caracci, who directed Wedding Singer, Waterboy, Click, Ridiculous Six, 
You know, he, he we were all at NYU together. And Jack Garaputo, who used to be our partner, and the reason I produce so much now is because he retired. Uh. Um, but, yeah, we all went to NYU together. And I met Sandler because my uh, – my, I was a transfer at NYU, and I wasn't taking any real classes. I was only taking theater. I had taken, like, freshman English or something, and I went into I had to go meet my counselor or whatever, and he was just like, you got to start taking some of these academics if you ever want to graduate. He was like, you need a history credit. You need this. And I was looking over stuff, and I saw a class that said history of comedy. And I go, ooh, that's a history class. I'll take that. And he goes, no, that's an elective. It won't count. And I went... Yeah, but I want to take that. Yeah, totally. Instead of going and taking the real class where I could have gotten points towards graduating, I took that class. And I went in class and sat down, and the kid next to me said, hey, my name's Adam. I go, hey, I'm Covert. And we had the same sense of humor, and uh, 30 years later, we're, we're still making each other laugh. So That's so cool. And literally, Tim Hurley, he was his roommate, and Frank Caracci and Jack Garaputo lived down the hall, and, uh, um, you know, and another guy who edited a bunch of our movies was there at the time, and it was just a real fun time, and uh, those guys weren't even in theater. They were all studying business, and Adam and I were there, and he was doing stand-up at night, and I was doing plays at NYU, and, you know, we all just ended up out here, and, uh, you know, Sandler got his foot in the door, and... It was like going to the movies when you were a kid. He opened up the back door and we all snuck in. <laughs> That's great. There you go. And by the time the movies were big and making money, they couldn't get rid of us. <laughs> They're like, you Built should start it. working with these people. And he was like, no, no, no. I like these guys better. <laughs> nice. It's a package deal. It's amazing that a sense of humor can like how bonding it is with friendships. Because I know my best friend since kindergarten, we have almost nothing in common. We have almost zero interests that are uh, the same except for our sense of humor. Yeah. And we've been, you know, best friends since we were seven or something. Yeah, and you can bond over movies and, you know, I mean, look, we like the same movies. We were all like, oh, my God, let's go. We got to go see Back to School. We got that open. You know, we loved Rodney. We loved comedy. We loved, you know, Caddyshack and Animal House. And Uh, and you got him and Little Nicky as well. Oh, yeah, that was the greatest. I mean, look, I've, I've been, like I said before, and I say it constantly, it's like I'm so lucky um, I, I've had an opportunity to meet people that I, you know, that are the reason I'm here. You know, the reason I decided I wanted to do this. You know, I got to meet Mel Brooks when he came in and did stuff on Hotel Transylvania too. Wow! And I mean, yeah. I literally like was just wouldn't even say a word. I was like, "Hi, hi, I'm Alan, one of the producers, <laughs> blah blah blah," and stuff. And then one day he said something about. Oh, what are you and Adam getting ready, or what are you doing? And I said, "Oh, a western." And he said, "I made a western once." And it go, <laughs> and I just started going off. I'm like, <laughs> you know, he like opened the door a little, and I just humiliated myself as the biggest nerd of like Young Frankenstein and silent movie. And he just was laughing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been lucky. You know, look, I, I, I got you know just. And it's also funny, just like, you know, just people who I've known for, you know, like for 30 years, you know, that like we were all just 19, 20 year old kids. Uh, It's funny. Apatow wrote a book. Judd Apatow wrote a book and he put this old picture in it and it's me, Sandler, Apatow, and I think Spade in front of the improv. 
in Hollywood, and it's like literally like 1990. Oh, wow. And we all just look like little kids. And it's like, you know, I, I worked there. I like, I was like the showroom host, you know, Apatow was the MC and, you know, Sandler and Spade would get spots, you know, not even like good ones, but just, they were, you know, we were all just out here. So it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's a good, it's a good thing, you know, to see all these people that you started with doing well and, you know, to get to meet all these people that, you know, influenced you and, and 90% of them are very cool. I've actually never met anyone that I've been disappointed in. Um, You hear those stories all the times of people like, Oh, I met so-and-so and he was a dick or I, I went and said hi to this person and she chilled me. And it's like, I've always been very lucky. Like, you know, the people we've worked with have all been really great and, and fun. And, you know, and that is, that, that's the most of the people you meet. You know, I always hear stories of movie sets that are terrible. And I'm like, well, why would you want to live like that? Yeah. It sounds like what your mentality at Happy Madison is just like laid back and you guys work on stuff that you genu- genuinely love. Yeah. And, you know, look, we're crazy. We're nuts. I yeah. Mean, I love that about you guys. Very, we're very, very, you know, hands on, you know. And, but I think that's one of the reasons Adam has been so successful all these years is, you know, he, he knows he, he knows what he wants to see and how to do it and how to get it out there. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, from from script all the way up to TV commercials, like literally right before I talked to you guys, I was up front in the front office here and we're going over like, you know, 15 second digital ads for the do over. You know, because uh, who know? you know, look, we know the jokes that are in the movie. And so, you know, we can always give insight to the people cutting the commercials about, hey, maybe this joke works better. or Hey, maybe that joke works better. And uh, we're also getting ready to do a little stand up tour. I'm, I'm just going to be sitting on the side of the stage laughing. But uh, but it's uh, where are you guys located? I'm, I'm currently just a little outside of Philadelphia. I think Brent is, too. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if we're coming near there. No worries. Yeah. I think I saw the closest was DC and Brooklyn. So we're yes, about- yes. Oh, you saw that? Yeah. But what a show, man! Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind driving out to Brooklyn. I've done it numerous times. We did a week of it uh, as a test run, and we did uh, we did Seattle, Portland, uh, Denver, Phoenix, and then two nights in Vegas. And uh, it was it was great. I mean, Norm Norm McDonald was on a few of those shows, and holy oh, cow, geez. <laughs> he still brings it hard. But Schneider, Killian, Spade, Tim Meadows was out with us. Uh, so you know, it's fun because you can call. You know, you know, I'm sure when we're in Brooklyn, we'll get some guests to pop in and stuff. But it just it's been a lot of fun, and it, it was fun for Adam because he hadn't done stand up. You know, he did some stand up when he was getting ready for Funny People. Mm-hmm. But it was different because it was him doing stand up as a character, right? Yeah. So it wasn't his material, really. Mm-hmm. I heard Aziz Azari actually had a little trouble with that, with people coming out to his shows thinking he was Randy, like yeah. that character. Randy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that is a tough one where people see you, and that's some for some people that's the first time they've seen you. Mm-hmm. So that too, that you know, for like for Aziz. So that's it. But Sandler had the opposite, where when he would go out and rehearse the stand-up that he had to do in the movie, and he would have to say to people, "Look, 
you know, here's a guy who's been in the public eye for 20 years. You've seen him on a million talk shows talking about his wife, his kids, his mom, his dad. And he was like, look, I'm going to do a lot of material that you're going to be like, what the fuck is he talking about? I know he's married with kids. And he had to, you know, so it would be like almost having to explain, like, I'm doing this as someone else because I'm getting ready for a movie. Right. Gotcha. Well, here's a question. Um, What would be your best advice uh, you could give to someone who's trying to get into comedy or writing film? Look, I mean, I honestly think these days there's, like I was saying before about Netflix, Hulu and Amazon, I think the greatest thing that ever happened to comedy to kind of level the playing field and to open up the doors is, is, you know, digital video and YouTube. I mean, you don't have to like, you, you can, I mean, you can just go out and make stuff. You know, if you're trying to make movies, you know, you can go make short films and, and, and get people to see them without having to go through the channels you used to have to go through, you know, which it was, you have to get on TV. You have to move to New York. You have to move to LA. I mean, you know, you can create stuff on your own you know, back when I was first starting, even for acting, like to get an agent, they'd be like, well, do you have any tape? And the way you would get tape was you had to be on a show. And it's like, well, how do I get on a show if I can't get an agent without having tape from a show? Yeah. You know, whereas now, you know, people I know, you know, everyone who like works here as an assistant, people who work as PAs on our movies, it, it's so great to me to see. They're like, I'm like, what are you guys doing this weekend? And they're like, Oh, we all got together. We're going to go shoot this five minute short film over the weekend, you know, and then they can, they can, they have it and you can cut it on your laptop and, you know, and that's, you know, look, if you want to write movies and make movies, you know, if you want to write, you just got to write, you know, definitely. You got to have like, you know, go write a feature if you want to write features. If you want to write TV, go write an episode of, you know, your favorite comedy. Because that's a very specific job. That's, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want someone to hire you to write for a TV show, you have to show them that you can write in the voice of that show. So if you're just sitting around going, I want to be a writer, try to write an episode of The New Girl. You know, try to write an episode of uh, Last Man on Earth. You know, if whatever your favorite show is, see what it would feel like to write for those characters. Because, you know, if that's the kind of job you want, you know, usually in the beginning, you're going to be writing for other people until you can create your own stuff. So, you know, I, look, I've been, I, I kind of learned that easily better when I was younger, writing jokes for different comedians, you yeah. know, and, and Judd Apatow started that way, you know, you know, some of Judd's first jobs were like writing jokes for Gary Shanley, writing jokes for Roseanne, you know, and, and and it helps you write in different voices. And, and, but he was also writing material for himself because he was doing stand-up. But it helps you broaden as a writer because instead of just writing for this one, for your own voice, which is the most important voice for you to write for eventually, it helps you learn, you know, how to write other in other voices, which helps you like in screenplays and, and TV shows. Totally. Yeah, that's really practical advice. And if you, if you want to do stand-up, there's always some place to do stand-up. I don't care where you are. There's always some bar that has a comedy night and 
there's always some place and you just got and you know and you just got to get out there and get on stage and that's that's the one thing for stand up that I always tell everyone about starting out is get on stage as much as you possibly can because yeah. that's the only way you're going to get better at as stand up I is to actually get in front of people and try out your stuff mhm i think there's kind of like the comedy boom that we saw in like the eighties and yeah. it, you know died down in the nineties. I think that's actually kind of coming back because yeah. I did stand up in college and I know a bunch of comedians now who, you know, a lot of them moved to New York, but a ton of them just stayed where they lived and, you know, go to shows almost every single night and perform. Yeah. And it's all around the state. I mean, there's a lot of people that we started with that were doing stand up who then like, you know, went on and wrote on the Simpsons for 10 years and, you know, created that 70s show. <laughs> so, wow. you know, they, but it's always just an avenue of like, of getting better at what you do. And and that's the one good thing about stand up is there's literally, you can always find a place to do it. Um, you know, you may have to drive an hour or two here or there, but you know, there's always somewhere where they're doing comedy that you can go sign up and get on stage and, and that's the main thing for people doing stand-up comedy, I always say, is just get on stage as much as possible and try to write at least one new joke every day. You know? Even if it's a, even if it's a one-liner, at least you tried to write something new. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, keep what works. If something doesn't work but you like it, keep working on it until the audience likes it. You know? Because sometimes you just aren't telling it right. Sometimes yeah, yeah. it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> and then you give it up and move on to the next one. But sometimes it's literally that you just haven't figured out how to tell the joke yet. And, right. And eventually something that bombs constantly becomes like your closer because you figure it out. I see. Yeah. And, and the other stuff is, like I said, you know. Make little YouTube movies. Make you know it's not that hard to make a five-minute short film. That if you you know write something funny and try to get people you think are funny to be in it with you, and and you know sometimes it's people that aren't funny, but you get them you know. But you can shoot it and edit. You know you can edit on Final Cut Pro, which you know you uh, Apple Movies or whatever it's called. Yeah. So it's the, the 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 tools are much more accessible than they used to be. And that's a great thing for people. Without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And I know I did video production in college. Yeah. And um, I had a lot of trouble with the Adobe Creative Cloud and Final Cut because of how expensive they were. But uh, a few months ago, I found uh, DaVinci Resolve, which is a free video editing software that controls the control keys for your keyboard actually conform to Final Cut or Adobe Premiere. So if you're used to those, it'll change to that style. Yeah. Oh, wow. no, it's amazing what's out there and what's able to be done. And, and, and yeah, and it's, it's, it's really good. I think it's just great. There's so many opportunities for people. Uh, a guy, I know a young director, he just did it. He just directed YouTube's first he, first series. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, and they, uh, you know, they, they started with, uh, two guys who are big on YouTube, who have their own YouTube channel with however, many tens of millions of subscribers, but then they went and got, you know, a really good cast and put it around them. And, uh, you know, they, so they're doing branching out into things. And 
You know, it, it's just a fun time for creativity. I think. I definitely agree. It's uh, in so our medium. Ways you can publish your own books. You can, you know, it's kind of like eliminating the gatekeepers and just, you know, and not everything's going to be good, and some great stuff will not get seen, but. You know, there's more opportunity to see it these days, and and that makes me happy. Agreed. We see it in more different like mediums as well, because we talk to a lot of game developers on this podcast, yeah. and uh, one of the ones we talked to not too long ago, Mitch Gettleman, said, indie game developers, there's so many more games now, and he's like, yes. a lot of them aren't too great, like maybe like 60% are kind of rough, but he said the other 40% are amazing, and the same goes for writing movies and shooting movies or just doing stand-up or um, I believe some person wrote uh, Harry Potter like fan fiction like for themselves like just a little story and now it's kind of being worked into a book but I think it might be not the Harry Potter branding but she got a book deal out of it. Well Fifty Shades of Grey. Exactly. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey was a lady who went on these uh, Twilight fan sites and started writing weird sexual (laughs) (laughs) fan fiction and you know then they had a movie that made 500 million dollars i mean it doesn't always work out like that but uh but do we always want to be public about our fetishes (laughs) i might want to keep mine to myself yeah sadly you know uh, as people have seen grandma's boy know i have a thing for uh, lara croft dolls Awesome. Oh, man. But it also applies to the podcasting world uh, universe. I feel like there's just like a, a resurgence of how many people are doing podcasts. And like, oh, yeah. it, there's plenty of like ones that sound like crap. And then there's certain ones that really stand out. Hopefully, we're in the standout category. I'm not sure yet. But it just goes <laughs> to show like, we're, we, me and Bren are just a bunch of nobodies. We work uh, full time and just do, uh, we just are we just have a passion for gaming and it just uh, drove us to start okay. this podcast and, and now we're talking to somebody that i admire like you okay. so i'm really it's just crazy to see uh what kind of doors th- th- uh it can open and how many opportunities there are for people so listener if you're passionate go do your thing yeah i mean that's literally all it is it's like it's just the determination to say no i really believe in this and this is what i think and you know and you plug away and you know and if the cards fall into place and you kick the right doors open you know you 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 know luck is also preparation yes because there's many people who like you know the opportunity falls in front of them and they're not ready because they were you know and then there's people who be like run into someone and say Oh, wow, I like you. You know, I write movies. Oh, really? Do you have a script for me? And they go, yes, I do. And then, and then you know, things happen. And, yeah. Uh, and then sometimes it doesn't, you know. But, but you know, it's, it's a combination of many things that have to fall into place. But as long as you're prepared and determined um, and passionate, you know, those other things fall into place sometimes. So Definitely. Always and- be ready. But yeah, I love podcasts. I mean, I don't listen. I know people that listen to them religiously, just all different kinds, and I don't as much. But I also understand. I understand the the reach of them and what you know the 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 what what they're about. So, like when when you asked about this, I was like, well, yeah. Why wouldn't I go talk to these guys about video games and movies? Oh, uh, totally. <laughs> I mean, come on. 
Oh, so so thankful that you even heard our our call out to you, and just so so grateful. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I was so bummed because uh, we have a multi-cade cabinet in the office. Oh wow! That Jeez. I bought a long time ago, and it has like a hundred old school arcade games. It's oh. Got- you know, Zaxxon and Xevious and Arkanoid and then stuff I've never heard of and still haven't even tried to play, but it's got like two versions of 1943. It's got like five different Pac-Man versions. Damn. And, I came, and like literally during the day, I'll be stressed and I'll be like, I'm going to go play Ms. Pac-Man. <laughs> and this morning and it wasn't working. Oh, um, no. And literally nothing has caused more frantic calls around the office than trying to get the guy to come find out why it's not working. Yeah, <laughs> that's reasonable. I know I went on a family vacation with my entire extended family and I was like, oh, great. We're going up to, you know, middle of nowhere, Maine. You get up to the house and there's an arcade cabinet with, I think, like 20 different games built yeah. in. And I would just get drunk and play Dig Dug like all week. Oh, yeah, dude. I played, Dig Dug, I played Dig Dug a couple weeks ago. Some of them I'm like, wow, these are so much harder than I remember. Oh, Galaga. Mm-hmm. Mm, fun yeah, game. Galaga, Galaxian. That's why I'm surprised with uh, some people talking about games coming out now where they're a lot harder, like the Dark Souls franchise. And they're like, yeah, games aren't as hard as they used to be. And it's like. You know, I don't think games are harder now. I think they're just catching up to the level of how difficult they were back in the 80s and early 90s. <laughs> yeah, dude. Brutal. Go play the original Zelda. Yeah. Oh, God. Which looks like, you know, which is the craziest graphics. Like, when it first came out, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the fourth dimension. <laughs> that is yeah. But it's still so hard. I'm yeah. like, how did I ever finish this game? This game is hard. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't have a job. <laughs> a lot of free time, yep. <laughs> it's like, how did I get $15 million in earnings on the Skins game on PGA Tour Golf? Oh, yes, I had no job. <laughs> well, I know you wrote on uh, for Leisure Suit Larry, the 2009 yes. game, right? Oh, yes. wow. Is that something you ever like? are going to try and do again, write for video games? Or is it a different... You know, that was an interesting, that was an interesting uh, process because we had the whole thing done and they had all these people who came in and did the voices and then the company merged with another company and it kind of got shelved. Ah. And they just, they just kind of threw it out there. And so I've never actually really played it, but it was, you know, what was fun to me was um, kind of being able to, uh, from a from a player's side is kind of and a comedy side was kind of say to them, well, maybe we could do something like this and have them actually listen and be like, Oh, that's an interesting idea. You know, not in the gameplay aspect of it, mm-hmm. but yeah. since it was trying to be funny, you know, we came up with a few concepts, which were like, you know, I know there was a scene in a graveyard where like, uh, people were coming out of the graves and I was just like, well, instead of them all just grunting, why don't we come up with like a hundred things that they can say so you never know what they're going to say? Oh, nice. And they were like, that's a great idea. Go write us a hundred things. I was like, oh, why did I <laughs> But yeah, but it was fun. It was fun because look, I like I said, I love games. So it was fun for me to be able to be involved just in the process of making a game. I've had some ideas for games. Um, never really got around to fleshing them out with anyone. But there's one or two, especially now that I know I could do them on a tablet. I have a mm-hmm. couple in, you know. And like I said, my type of games are like, you know, 
our uh, you know platforms and uh, and stupid puzzle games. Totally, me too. I love stupid puzzle games and like Boom Beach. I'm obsessed with Boom. <laughs> nice. I play that dumb game constantly. <laughs> so addictive. I know. I'm like, how many more medals can I get? <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend Puzzle Forge. Puzzle Forge Two. Ooh. It it's a great game, incredibly addictive, and you don't have to pay a dime. What's it called? Puzzle Forge? Puzzle Forge 2. You're like a blacksmith making weapons for people. Oh, I'm going. But it's, al- <laughs> it's also like a 5x5 five five grid, so you only have so much space you can work with, and it's it's really tricky, but it's so addictive. And I do it on a tablet? Uh, I believe phones, tablets, I think it's on all of them. Okay, good. I've been playing Dots. Ooh. That's not one I've gotten hold of. Yeah, no, it's it's like one of those connect the things, but it's different. You know, it's like a three connector, but it's different. Mm-hmm. My kids love, uh, my kids are starting to get into games, which I try to, they're so, you know, the younger kids with tablets and phones, they literally can lose themselves. So I try to limit it a little, but whenever they see me playing something, they're like, what are you playing? What are you playing? What are you playing? What are you playing? They know you can't hide it. Yeah, I'm like, you caught me. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't been playing too much mobily. I'm just looking through my phone now. The latest thing that I downloaded is Cthulhu Virtual Pet. So if anyone likes like (laughs) Tamagotchi stuff, it's like a little Cthulhu you take care of. It's really fun. That's (laughs) funny. You know what else I've been playing is uh, Angry Birds Friends. Oh, interesting. Which is, uh, they do six-day tournaments, and you're just randomly put into like a, a group of, a pool of people. Like you don't interact with them. But you see the running score on the side, and and the tournament goes for six days, and there's like six levels, and so you're always just looking at people's scores. I'm always literally like at at midnight looking at someone's score and going, "How did they get 198,000 on that?" <laughs> and just literally try. And I, I refuse to go to YouTube and look at the videos. I just literally sit there trying to figure it out. But I like it because then at the end of the week, you they give you, oh, you won 100 coins because you came in 13th. <laughs> and then it's a whole new level. It's a whole new tournament. So uh, I like stuff like that. Uh, it's like trying to top the high score level on like an arcade cabinet, but now it's exactly. connected to everyone in the world. Pretty well, much. Yeah. Oh, it's called Two Dots, the game I was playing. Okay. Two Dots. And then my kids have been playing Flow Free. Oh, Flow. I love that game. That is yeah, su- such love- a fun little uh, mind bender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love that one. Squirtson. What was that game Squirtson was playing that got me obsessed for a while? Drop Seven he was playing. Ooh, interesting. Oh, yeah. I've I got to tell you this. When we were shooting uh, That's My Boy, mm-hmm. we, uh, I think it was Will Forte. Someone got us started playing Tiny Wings. Oh. Uh, uh-oh. Yep. And literally... It became an obsession, and we were actually shooting at a strip club. Because, <laughs> you know, part of the movie is he takes place at a strip club. Yep, right. Literally, I took a picture once, and it was the side room where, like, we had our chairs where everyone could sit and relax. So there's literally a strip club, and then you see this side room, and it's all these, like, actors all sitting there playing Tiny Wings on their phone. <laughs> And people would think, and like everyone would be like, you'd think they'd be in there. And it just became this obsession. And I actually, Forte was better than anybody. That's and awesome. I, <laughs> he finished the game. Oh my oh, God. Oh, shit. 
and sent me the screen capture where it said, congratulations, you are a Tiny Wings master. And I literally spent almost a year. (laughs) And I was on a plane one day. And I finally finished like these two things I needed. And it was just like, out out of nowhere, I just texted him a screenshot of like, I am the master. (laughs) That is so godly. That is an amazing story. I I just know there's only one uh, mobile game that I got that addicted to, and I'm pretty sure I vented about it on our show already, but it was a game called Lords and Knights, and it was just where you take care of your castle, and you have to protect it from other people, like, taking over and shit, and it was just, and then you would form, like, an alliance with all these other players, and I became, like, the head of this one alliance, and we were always under attack, and it, like, literally became, like, this management game where I was, like, at work, like, constantly checking my phone, be like, oh, shit, I'm under attack, we can't, (laughs) it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not a big like like i liked clash of clans but then it got to the point where it's like you have to make alliances and i was like and the same with uh the one that kate upton used to do the commercials for oh uh, that's right something uh, a war age something fire war. i forget fire yeah, yeah for that one which i downloaded earlier before kate upton and i really liked it but then you get to the point where you have to like get into these clans and i was like I play a video game by myself. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, I get like I get going online and doing like like look. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons back in the day. Oh, so, we have a secondary podcast where we do Dungeons and Dragons. It's funny you say that. Oh God, I used to love it in college. You know, 30 years ago, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had the greatest dungeon master, and I had the greatest, and we would play, and me and these friends of mine, and. uh and one day I was just bored and me and my friend begged the guy to let us go on a quest by ourselves. And he was like, no, wait for everyone else. You're too high level. The shit now is, you don't want to be out there, just the two of you. And we, and we died. Oh no. Really? And I literally was so depressed because like I had this, I had this paladin who was just like this amazing character that I had spent two and a half years building up and, and he died and I literally couldn't play for like a year. I was like, oh. I can't do it, man. Yeah. I can't oh, no. start over. I can't <laughs> start over. But, but that's why I won't play World of Warcraft because I was so addicted sure. to Dungeons and Dragons that I saw World of Warcraft and I was like, oh, I, I'll, I'll ruin my life if I play this. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's essentially meth. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I would literally ruin my marriage and my life if I played this game. I, I mean, <laughs> I get it and I see people playing it and I watch. <laughs> sometimes but uh but yeah i love stuff like that uh but 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 i get people wanting to do it and and i get like you know the the halo teams where you go online and play but you know if i'm sitting there late at night on my ipad i don't want to be in some group discussion with people going hey send me troops (laughs) yeah exactly you know i just attack and lose or attack and win and, and and so yeah Yep, I haven't played a game like that in over a year now, so <laughs> I learned I that it. lesson. Oh, we get it. Yep. Yeah, um, I had a game where I would just, it would be like a nightly ritual. I would just jump into the game real quick. It would range anywhere between five minutes to half an hour. Yeah. And it was, I was obsessed with it. Like World of Warcraft, I got super sucked in. And I had to actually, I got, when I got a new computer, I didn't install it on the computer because I have about 500 hours in the game. And holy shit one round can last five minutes so it means i've played it 
a hundred times. It, it was too much. <laughs> what was it? I saw some article today. I, I someone linked to it. I think it was from the New York Post, and it was a guy who just said, "Oculus Rift is going to ruin relationships and destroy families." Oh yeah. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you: Did you actually have a chance to experience any VR? I've seen some VR, and uh, I saw some betas um, uh, about a year and a half ago, and it, it takes a little getting used to. I got to tell you, I was. I was seated, and when it started moving around and walking, it really kind of threw me. It took me a little while to get used to, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see where they go with it. Um, but yeah, I could see people just totally losing themselves. Well, yeah, logging in and never logging out. Yeah, I, I say within the year, someone will die in VR. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. insane to think. Because it happens with World of Warcraft all the time. Like, when it started, people would just starve to death playing World of Warcraft. Yeah. But, I mean, this is going to, you know, look, it's all moving in directions of everything's getting. Look, I mean, I remember when 3D movies weren't good. And it it was a novelty. And, you know, I went and saw Jungle Book with the kids two weeks ago in 3D. And it was amazing. Yeah. It's come a long, long way. Yeah. Warcraft is coming out this summer. That's correct. Oh, yeah. that's true. Speaking uh, of that. Starring the, uh, Paula Patton, who is also in our movie, The Do-Over. Oh, awesome. That's segue. Yeah, I was just going to say. Look at that segue. Let's, let's do <laughs> some plugs. That, I'm a pro, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's see some official plugs for you. Where can our listeners find you on Twitter? And I guess let's also plug The Do-Over. Yeah, The Do-Over is Netflix, May 27th. Um, It goes live worldwide, everywhere, at the same time, 35 different languages. That's the fun stuff, is they were just like, they go, yeah. I was like, why do you need all this stuff so early, you know? And they were like, well, we have to, you know, we have to conform it to 1,500 different devices. Wow. Because they're everywhere in the world, and they have to translate it into 35 different languages. Wow. I never put that into consideration. Wow. Because yeah, even, well, in the movies, you do that, too. But in the movies, you know, it might not come out in Japan until three months after it comes out in the U.S. Or, you know, and sometimes it's subtitled. But Netflix goes all around the world instantly at the same time. Wow. So let's see. So there's the do-over, which I didn't act in, but I produced with Sandler. That's May 27th. There's the Do-Over Comedy Tour, which uh, you can see Adam's Facebook page. It has the schedule up. I know it's uh, D.C., Chicago, Brooklyn, Mohegan Sun, I believe we're at. Awesome. And uh, on Twi- I'm not on Facebook, or, but on Twitter, I'm at I'm that Alan Covert, A-L-L-E-N-C-O-V-E-R-T. Fantastic. Oh. And that's... And the reason people go, why did you pick that? I said, because what I get my whole life is people going, hey, you're that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so Speaking I'm your, that Alan Gore. Of your Twitter. Is that a Colonel Sanders statue you have in your house? No, that's in our office. That's in your office. Oh, okay. Very nice. Um, yeah, very is that was a gift from Tim Hurley after the water boy. Oh, really? Interesting. Came out. That showed up at our Adam and I and Lachran and our buddy Frank Garacci all had we were living in this house together up in the hills. And after the water boy came out, all of a sudden there's literally this giant crate was delivered. And we got a crowbar and opened it up and that Colonel Sanders was laying in <laughs> and that was so at Sandler's house forever. And then, you know, 
we moved out and the woman who is now his wife moved in and it was always there. And I think she hated it. I'm not <laughs> sure. And That's then uh, when he was doing Rain Over Me, mm-hmm. the director saw it and was like, your guy should have that in his apartment. <laughs> so it's in the movie Rain Over Me. And then after that, they sent it here to the office and it just stayed here. So I make people take pictures near it. <laughs> I am profoundly envious of it. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you brought that to everyone's attention. That's so cool. Um, but seriously, we seriously can't thank you enough for coming onto our program. It's been a blast. Uh, we hope to stay in touch. Great. My pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you. Have, have a good night, Alan. All right, you too. I'll talk to you guys later. Later. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you, listener, for tuning into our interview with Alan Cover of Happy Madison Productions. If you like the show, please give us a like or follow on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle's ABT Silence. If you're listening via iTunes, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review and rating. And I'm personally streaming every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at switch.tv slash ABT Silence. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you next week.